Hey guys, welcome to this bonus episode of the Haas Lady Podcast. I've been sitting down with different experts and just chatting about how our worlds all collide in some form or fashion with organizations. So this is just two folks sitting down to chat, learn about each other's expertise. So sit back, grab some coffee and tea, hang out with us while we chat. Enjoy. Hello, everybody. It's Becky, the Haas Lady. I am sitting here with Melissa Rolfs. Did I say that right? You did. You did good. Awesome. (laughs) Thank you. And we are just going to sit down today and just talk about all good things. And I'm going to go ahead and let Melissa introduce herself so that we can all understand what she's here for. Yeah, well, thank you. I'm excited to be here, Becky. I'm coming to you from Arizona, and I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I've got a 14-year-old daughter, a 12-year-old son. And I'm a holistic health and life coach, and I help women learn easy new strategies they can use to feel good without needing to turn to food for relief in times of stress or overwhelm or whatever that feeling is. So that's a little bit of who I am and what I do. Feel free to ask anything. (laughs) That's awesome. So on a daily, like your normal clients, on a daily routine, what do you see most common with with your clients? Like I'm assuming female we're having life happen to us. What are what are the big things that you end up coaching on? There are a couple of things that really stand out. I think one is a lot of us are moms and we are overwhelmed and we're doing all of the things for everybody and we neglect ourselves in the process. Somewhere in the line of becoming a mom and having kids, we kind of put ourselves on the back burner. And so we find ourselves maybe eating the scraps off of our kids' plates or we're not eating when we're hungry because we don't have time or we're just not really taking care of ourselves. And so I think that's a big thing. I think the other thing is the overwhelm, the stress, the anxiety of life, and we don't know how to handle that. So we turn to food um, for relief. That's what I did. I was, I'm a recovering sugar addict. It was my go-to in times of stress and overwhelm and exhaustion. And I think that's the other thing that we do is we go towards sugar or something to make ourselves feel good in the moment because we don't know quite how to deal with that. And I think the third thing is we don't really know how to listen to our bodies. We don't know how to honor our hunger and fullness. We don't know how to um, really pay attention to what our bodies are trying to tell us because they're always talking. We just haven't been taught how to listen. So I think those are the three kind of main things that show up with the women that I work with. Awesome. So it's it's funny that you said that. And I I know my audience has heard this, but the coping with feelings with food definitely rings a bell for me personally because I had gone through and lost 70 pounds and my mom passed away. So like during that process, I learned how to cope with the normal stuff of life. Like, you know, when when your kids throw in a tantrum or when, you know, a bill is due and money is tight and things like that. Like I've learned those kinds of things. So I I was able to lose the weight because my life was was okay, you know? And then mom dies and then like life was not okay. And so it was a whole different level of self-care negligence. Like I just did not care. I didn't want to do the good things for myself. And it has been in April, it will have been two years. And I am just now getting to where I am more aware of that and more um, 
like I'm seeing myself kind of come out of that fog. I think the first year, I don't even remember that year. Like I don't remember so much about it. Creating healthy, wonderful habits for ourselves is a great thing when life is great. What would you say? Like coach me right now. You don't have to coach me, but what would you say to a client like me who basically has, you know, pretty good thought work. She, she understands her mindset. She understands what's good for her, but something major like this happens. What would you tell me? What would you tell your client? Well, first of all, I'm sorry about your mom. I know grief is really hard. I've experienced quite a bit of it myself. And I think a lot of times you're just trying to survive. You're in survival mode because you've experienced a loss that you've never experienced before. And I think when our parents, they're always there. They're like the one constant. And then for that to be gone, it really rocks our world. So mm-hmm. I'm proud of you for acknowledging that that's the space you've been in for the past two years. And I think it's completely normal because you've been in survival mode. And so just acknowledging that in yourself can be really powerful. Um, I think too, a lot of times what happens is we have trauma or we have grief that gets stored in our bodies. And when, like you said, the thought work is there, we may understand and know what to do, but we get stuck on the follow through because there might be something in our bodies that needs to be recalibrated. Maybe we need to make a new muscle memory because trauma and grief do get stored in the body and we can do all of the thought work and the mind work around it. But if we're not connecting the body and the brain, I think that's kind of where the disconnect happens. Oh, that's so interesting. I answered you or not, but. (laughs) No, I mean, what I took from that is, and I'll give you this example. I used to wake up at five every morning. I would get my coffee. I would get my journal. I would spend 30 to 45 minutes writing. I would plan out my day. I would do an exercise before I even started my work day. And having that was like, the basis of life. Like I, that just set me up every day for success. Not every, I mean, obviously not every day is successful, but it was, it was a great way to start my day. That routine, because you're saying like the mind and the muscle memory, just waking up at six o'clock, 6.30, 6.45, just hitting that snooze button over and over again. Those are old, old habits way before this. And so I feel like that was a, a darker time for me before I started doing that five o'clock routine. So maybe that's kind of what that is. Like I've, I know that I should be getting up at five. I try to get to bed at nine o'clock, but I'm not doing the action. So that's very interesting. I think too, Becky, in terms of like habit change, when we link, like a lot of times motivation and habits are linked to pleasure So if it feels better for us to lay in bed and press snooze, we're going to do that. Like we're drawn to what feels good. And so if you're in a season of grief or loss or trauma and you're surviving, that would make sense that that would be how you responded because you were recovering, you were healing, you were working through that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 It's, it's kind of a, you know, you're, I, I like to create this. Um, I have a rule or a, a step three in our process that is reset. So like my audience knows this and I'll share it with yours is that as a home organizer, when I'm starting a project or doing any type of, you know, 
space, re, you know, reorganization. The three steps are that I clear it out and then I commit. So that step one is clear. Step two is commit. So when I commit to it, I assign it a function and um, I commit to only putting what relates to that function back in that space. And then the reset is step three. So I reset the space in order to um, always keep that function of that space together. So like if it's my dishes, I don't put anything but dishes in that space. So I've committed to it and it's reset. And every time I wash a dish, it goes back in that same spot. So that same kind of reset in your brain, like we have gone through something extreme. So maybe that could be kind of a wall that we've hit in a way. And we have to kind of climb up over that wall to get back to the other side. And to think that we can just scale it up, you know, without any issue and without any effort is is not practical. Yeah, trying to get back over that wall into the other side to where I can move forward. In the same sense of home organizing, a lot of people will tend to buffer, not necessarily with food, but shopping. And they have this obsession with getting that hit, that high of seeing the Amazon box show up on the front step for things that we don't even need. Or, you know, going to the store and coming home and doing like, you know, look at the haul I have and like sharing all the things, the goodies and things. And then we end up just having way too much stuff. I kind of feel like that is very, um, they're very applicable. They're very, you know, they go together. I think a lot of the action or habit that we do to buffer a feeling is it's present. People do it all the time and just I you have to be aware of it. Yeah. I did shopping. I was too busy. I did all the things. <laughs> mm-hmm. Explain to, so I don't know, like, you and I are coaches. We we understand what thought work is. We understand how to get past, you know, the negative thoughts and how to bring in more positive thoughts and how to do that. In general, most people don't necessarily have that training. So as a holistic health and life coach, like how would you teach a, a new person who's never heard of these terms and they're just kind of listening to us like y'all are not making any sense right now? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, It's interesting because I feel like you kind of need to put it in other people's language because I think a lot of times as coaches, we can get really good at doing coach talk and we talk at a different level where people don't know what we're saying. And so I found myself, ironically enough, Becky, speaking to groups of teenage girls lately. And so to kind of bring it down to a teenage girl level has been helpful, but it's really Um, kind of how you think about things and how you take action based on that thought. And so our daughter is an athlete. I think we were messaging about this. And Uh so I was um, sharing with some, some freshman girls. I think the three biggest obstacles are nutrition mindset and how to handle the stress. And so it's really kind of teaching them how to navigate all those pieces because they're so interconnected. Your nutrition affects your thoughts and how you show up and how you think and how you perform and your stress and your able ability to navigate and manage that is the same way. So really, I think the thought work and being aware of your thoughts and taking action on them is one piece of the puzzle. So I hope that explained it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It really does. 
And one thing that I love to do is when we start a project with a new client or even, you know, I'm right now I'm recording an online course so that, you know, people who may not live in my area, that they can still get my um, get my expertise, but without having me there in the room. But one of the first things I say is to get water and a snack, you know, get some sort of protein, something that's going to help you get through this event. That's not going to be in your first thought when you think I'm going to go organize the house. Well, I have to go buy water, you know, or go get the water. That's not going to be on your radar. So to tell people, hey, this is so important that I want you to do it first. You know, even before you sit down with the journal and sit down with the notebook, let's get your water and take those breaks. Drink that water. Make sure that you're energized. Make sure that you're going to have, you know, that is so important to me to have that water. And I drink I drink a ton of water all day long. And when I don't, I can tell. I can tell a big difference. So it does help, especially in those teenage girls. My my girls have those little hydro flask things that they they it's like glued to their finger. They have a phone glued to this hand. They have the hydro flask glued to the other hand. And it's like, it's great. Like, I'm not even going to complain because you're drinking water. When I was a teenager, it was all about the Dr. Pepper, you know? Right. So that's awesome that this generation, the younger generation, they're, they're hearing how important that is for your nutrition, for your mindset and things like that. So to have, to have those foundations is very important. So, yeah, I like that. I think like you were saying earlier, you know, you have those foundations and they're going to sustain you and they might shift like with the loss of your mom, like that shifted things for you, but you still have those foundations. You still have those pillars in place that you could go to when you needed to. Yeah. Well, the water thing has become like, it's become such a habit that I can tell, like I said, so badly that if I've not had water and that's one thing that I really want my clients to see that when you set up a routine of coming in, putting your things where they go, when you're doing the dishes, putting things where they go, um, everything has a home, every space has a function to do it in that way and not let yourself slip and you're going to slip. It's fine. But to try and stay on top of it so that when you do slip back and you see that, you know, maybe the laundry has piled up a little more than you wanted it to, you're going to be like, oh, that's that that's weird. That's uncomfortable for me. I don't feel right now that the that the laundry has piled up like that um, or that you've left your books out on the coffee table and you walk by it and you're like, oh, wait, that doesn't look right. That's weird for me because when we have the foundations of keeping our homes organized, having things that are actually put away when we're not using them, like a a trigger in your brain, like, oh my gosh, something's weird. Something's not in place. And that's the, that's where I want my clients to get to is where they walk through the house and see things out of place. They want to put it back. You do anything around anchoring Anchoring? No. Explain. Okay. So this, I didn't know what this was until I went through my certification for coaching and I had been doing this unconsciously. So like, for example, 
you're talking about things being out of place. I'm very big on things being in their place. I'm very big on making sure the toilet paper is stocked, like the napkin holder is full. Like I don't like it when we have empty Kleenexes, Kleenex boxes, like just things like that will kind of trigger me like, okay, I'm too busy because the napkins, the napkin rack is empty or there's no paper towel. Like I, that's like my baseline of knowing when I'm too busy. And I think it can actually also serve as an anchor to kind of like remind you of why I'm doing this is because I want my family to make sure they have the toilet paper and the paper towels and the Kleenex and the things that they need. And so those are kind of like visual reminders of why you're doing what you're doing. It sounds like you do that. Maybe you just use a different term, but I always know for me that it's like, okay, I'm too busy because these things have kind of fallen to the wayside. And then it's a reminder to like get back on track. (laughs) Oh, I love that. No, I I need to study about that. I need to go in there and research what anchoring would mean because that's very true. That's what it is. Like if you see something out of place, it's not about why, like, are you a bad person? You know, we're not going to go there. We're going to be like, oh, wait, I'm just too busy. Kind of what we talked about in another interview I had earlier this week where um, her son was leaving a bowl of cereal on the coffee table. And, you know, her first thought is to get angry and get fed up that, you know, and, you know, I had to tell her. So to you, you looked at that bowl of cereal and thought he's a disrespectful son. He's walking all over the women in his life. He's going to grow up to be an irresponsible person. His thought was he just wants to go play his video game. He does not care about that table <laughs> and the, the cereal bowl on that table. He doesn't care about that. For you, it was a problem, but for him, it was not. Makes total sense. And it, I think it shows that people have different come froms, right? Like the child mm-hmm. or the son's come from was, I want to play my video game. And the mom's was, oh, I want my house to be organized. I want it to look a certain way because I think a lot of times as women, we think our home is a reflection of us and it shows something about us. And it doesn't. I mean, I think we give it that meaning or we assign it to that. But I just think that's all very interesting. (laughs) I relate. (laughs) Yeah, that's what's funny is I told her that you know, for her to get angry at her son, she first has to look at herself and be like, you know, have you ever left your bowl on the table ever in your life? And it's not about you being a bad person because we're not going to bring shame into it. And she was shaming her son in her mind, but she was also shaming herself because she was the one who wanted that table cleaned off. And she was thinking she was a bad parent for not teaching her son better. So for me, that would mean I would just say, Hey, son, I'm I am taking your bowl because I like the table cleared off and I'm going to put it in the sink next time. If you want to do that to help me out, that'd be amazing, you know, and change that story because he obviously does not care. Definitely a change in perspective because the mom wanted something, the son wanted something, they were not the same thing. And so for the mom to come in angry and be like, move the bowl. He's like, mom, you're messing up my game. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's, there's a disconnect there. I love how we brought that together. So. Cause I was so, mom, Becky, who wanted everything to be perfect. And I did all that for my kids. And then I would get mad at them when they didn't do it. And it's like, well, I didn't 
teach you how to do that because I did it for you because I wanted my house perfect. Like I totally relate <laughs> to the story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and that's one thing like to just put the bowl away without saying anything could be construed as enabling, you know, I'm letting my kid walk all over me. I'm going to be his slave the rest of his life. He's going to grow up to be completely lazy. Maybe that might be enabling. But if we are actually saying out loud, yo, I'm putting your bowl away because I like it clean. Next time, why don't you do it? You're not yelling. You're not shaming. You're just saying, hey, I'm putting it away for you. And it may take a thousand times for you to do that. But when that child turns 25 and they have their own apartment and they have bought this coffee table and they have brought that coffee table into their house, they're going to understand. Mom wanted her coffee table clean. Oh, <laughs> oh, it makes sense, right? I'm going to go ahead and put it away versus the fact that if, you know, you're, we're constantly just cleaning up after them and we're not explaining why, we're not talking about the rewards of that. We're not talking about why it's important and what it feels like to be accomplished and be done. Then that 25 year old is going to buy that coffee table and he's never going to clean it. And you're going to be like, ah. so there is definitely, you do have to communicate that out, but you do not have to be angry and you do not have to make it a shameful thing. So that's one of the reasons why I don't say we clean house, we reset house. Because cleaning is negative to me. But yeah. Because that was probably your come from, your experience, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cleaning was, you better clean the house before I get home. You know what I mean? And that was, that always felt fearful and, you know, anxious. And I didn't like that. And it probably showed up in your body. I mean, that's wild to think about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. To be, to have that level of, nervousness for your mom because we did fear our parents you know and I my kids are grown now but I didn't know any better and I didn't learn about all of these gentle parenting moves until way past the date and my grandkids are going to be amazing but my poor children got the the mean mama that I was clean your room and I just didn't know better so I feel like a lot of parents especially our age probably had that same experience. Like that gentle parenting was not a thing. And I think a lot of people look down on the gentle parenting, like give that child responsibility and why are you babying them and yada, yada, yada. No. Have you talked to anybody? Have you talked to the generation Z and they've been like, you know, the most respectful child out there on the planet. It's a whole different level, but I digress. But yes, I do feel like the, the more we're talking to the kids and giving them the example they need versus going to that anger place all the time because you do feel it and it's not fun for you. It's not fun for your kid. It doesn't solve anything. Part of that is like us as the parents doing the work and having like healed those parts of ourselves that maybe we didn't have growing up. And so kind of giving our kids maybe what we didn't have, but needed or wanted. I mean, I think that's a really big piece of the puzzle too. Yeah. If we had grown up any differently, I think back to like, yeah, mom was tough on us. Mom was very, um, she was very, she expected a lot from us. And we 
did a lot of things. We were very busy. And I feel like that had a lot to do with who I am today. And had she not been that way, I probably would be a completely different person now. But that's what opens up so much from my own experiences to teach my children. And who knows? Who knows if if I've ruined them? <laughs> Hopefully not. No, you haven't. Yeah, they're they're gonna be just fine. But no, you haven't ruined them. I just I think it's so interesting. Like you were talking, and it reminded me. Like for me, my mom very much modeled going to food. Like I remember going to my grandparents' house, and they had a cookie drawer. And so every time we went, to my grandparents, we'd go to the cookie drawer, and I'm like is this dessert? Is this a reward? Like, why are we always to this day? I have asked her and we still haven't figured out what that was about, but I think like things were modeled for us. It's that concept that more is caught than taught, right? Like we just catch on to things Mm. because of how our parents did things or how we were raised. And so I think that's the beauty of all of this is we come from one way and as we learn and grow, we can change and develop or we can stay, or we have the ability to kind of go how we want to go for our kids. Yeah. It's that stopping that cycle. You know, I feel like we're in, I'm kind of a feminist in a way, but I feel like a lot of the women in my family were held back in the fact that they, you know, the men were the successful business people and they're the ones who made the money and the women stayed back and they, you know, cleaned house and they did, they raised the children and, and, even though they had the dream to become a whatever, they never pursued it. And I saw my mom do that. I saw her with all these dreams. And especially after she passed and going through her belongings and her files and things of all these unfinished dreams that she had made me realize that I'll be damned. The cycle stops. We are we have to do this for our children. I have to do this for my girls. And I love the thought that if I can at least change even a tiny bit of one person in this world, so be it. Even if that person's just going to be me, right? That is my go-to thought. Like it does not have to be perfect. I can be stuttering. I can be talking around in circles all day long, But in the end, if one person catches one little tiny bit, then it's been a success, even if that person's only me. So, and think of the ripple effect that has. So, like you have this podcast, you know that people are getting nuggets from that and they're, you know, implementing things and you're creating this beautiful ripple effect. It's like the story of the starfish, right? Like, you know, the story of the starfish where they're. No. It's kind it's maybe not the story, but it's, there's a story about a man and a little boy walking on the ocean and the boy sees all these star. There's like thousands of starfish. And so he picks them up and he keeps throwing them back in because apparently they regenerate or something. I hope I'm not butchering this, but the gist <laughs> of it is, and was like, why are you doing this? Because there are like thousands of starfish. You're never going to get them back in. And he was like, if I can do it for one I've done enough. And it just was such a beautiful perspective. I think we see the thousands and we get overwhelmed and think, oh, I can't do anything. And we say stuck there. But if we focus on one and making that difference for one, that can have such a beautiful ripple effect. 
Yeah, exactly. Like if we can, if we can create a better mindset for the people behind us, the people coming up, the, the, the young children, the teenagers, the women in their 20s and 30s who are just starting with their children, changing that mindset that we don't have to go to food to feel better. We don't have to shop to feel better. We don't have to live a life of overabundant stuff in order to feel better. The feeling better comes from within, which is never taught until recently, I feel like. And, you know, here I am in my 40s figuring all of this out. And sometimes people kind of give it a negative, like that's you're being all woo, you know, don't be woo about things. It's that's too. But it's why would you why would you want to not go into mindset work if it makes you feel better, if it makes you more productive, if it makes your life more organized, if it makes your life less stressful? Why would you poo poo that when you could live that life and see the benefits? And by doing that, the generations behind us that are coming up are going to see that. And they are going to change this world. I feel it. Like you said, your daughter's 14. My son just turned 15. Their age. Yes, they're very self-absorbed. They're middle school. They're young high school. They're very self-absorbed. It's all about them. But give them a bully situation. Give them anything that's mean on the Internet. If you violence or whatever. They get they get that mama bear almost, you know, they come out, they see it. They're going to change the world for us. So I again, I digress. I don't know why I keep going back to that, but <laughs> no, I could digress with you. Like <laughs> go all over the place. All right. Well, Melissa, tell us where we can find you and tell us about what you like to offer your clients. Sure. My website is free, the number two, the letter B coaching.com. So free to be coaching.com because I'm all about helping women find that freedom to be their authentic selves. Um, I do have a 12 week coaching program that helps women feel good without using food. And I am also going to be launching something for teen girls soon. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yes. Are you you ready to talk about it yet? Or is this still kind of in the works? No, I can talk about it. I don't know when it will be launching. It has a name and I know what it is and what it will look like. It's going to be a group coaching program for teen girls to know that they are enough, that they matter, that they're worth taking care of. um, And really teaching them how to connect with their bodies, how to connect with food and their life, and really just helping them learn that at a young age so that they can get it before they were my age. Um, yeah. so I, I wasn't planning on pursuing that Becky, but I feel like it just literally has kept falling into my lap and I have to do something. with it, So that gives me chills. Cause that's why I kept going back to the whole younger generation thing. And <laughs> you and I did not talk about this. That was insane. That makes so much sense now, but yes, like I feel like had I, and I know we've all seen that meme that if the my 20-year-old self had thought she was as skinny or as fat as I think I am now, that kind of thing. I don't I know I just said that completely wrong. But we all have seen it. We all know what it is. Mm-hmm. To catch it that young. Because I go back and look at myself 
in my senior year photos and think, oh my God, I was so tiny. I was so pretty. I had such a, you know, my hair was so pretty and I had such a good smile and look at my face. And then I just go back and think I was miserable when I was 18 years old. I thought I was huge. I thought I was so ugly and, you know, none of the guys liked me because I'm four foot 10 and yada, yada, yada. But to catch it that young, I'm so excited for you. That's going to take off. And I hope my listeners, you know, home organization touches every single aspect of your life. If it's, if it's in your office, if it's in your kitchen, if it's talking about how we talk to our children, how we grow our you know young people up, it touches every aspect of your life. Because once you get your environments cleaned up, then your stress levels are going to go down. You're more productive, yada, yada, yada. So for that, I feel like so many people will listen to this podcast because it's such a broad range of everything. And everyone probably knows a teenage girl who takes too many selfies and who, you know, says really bad things about themselves or puts the filters on their selfies that, you know, they want to look different and better and whatever. But if you can catch it and really help these girls, oh my God, I am excited for you. I am very excited for that. That is amazing. So it's free to be coaching. Coaching.com. And are you on social media? Yes, I am. I'm on Instagram as free to be underscore coaching. And then Facebook is just my name, Melissa Rolfs. I think that's my Instagram. There's an underscore somewhere in there. (laughs) I'll put the link in the show notes for everybody. Thank you. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And you also have a podcast. What is your podcast called? Yes. Mondays with Melissa. Mondays with Melissa. And are you on Apple, Spotify? Spotify. I'm not a, I'm not an Apple girl. Okay. Daughter is, but I'm not. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, there we go. So um, Mondays with Melissa, that's two L's, correct? No one L, two S. Just kidding. Why did I say two L's? I think I was thinking of Michelle. That's Michelle was my early Michelle, two L's, one S, all the but it's totally fine. <laughs> so to start over, Melissa Rolfs, that's M-E-L-I-S-S-A, R-O-H-L-F-S. You nailed it. Good job. All right. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here, Melissa. I feel like we kind of went all around the target and then finally at the end tied it together, which was crazy. But I love it. That's uh, It was fantastic talking to you. And please keep us posted on the, the new course you have coming out, the new group coaching thing that you have. That's going to be amazing. So. Thank you so much. It was so great to connect. I love what you're doing. I know that so many of the women that I have worked with struggle with that. Like the, the, there's too much stuff and they're clutter and we've got to clear out that clutter to lay that foundation. So what you're doing is so important, Becky. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Melissa, for being here and we will see you next time. Bye. Hey guys. Thanks so much for listening to the Haas Lady Podcast. I am so happy you took time today to change your life for the better. If you or someone you love really struggles with the daily habit of resetting your home, your struggle is almost over. I am so excited to announce that we are about to launch an online course that is going to help you stop cleaning and start living. To learn more, 
visit thehosslady.com slash get started to get on my mailing list. You don't want to miss this. Until next time, let's get to it. Let's get to it.